Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the main event. Let's get ready to rumble! Morrell takes the ball, looking inbound, loops it far up court for George, who catches it, turns around, shoots, and he got it! Welcome, Husky fans, to another edition of the Gamble Grind Podcast. I'm Steven Sanzari, joined alongside Ben Dizonier, and we're previewing the 2020-2021 UConn men's basketball season. So to start this off, I mean, this is this is a really bizarre season to preview. I mean, a lot of uncertainties uh, going into this season. So I guess the best place to start this preview show would be looking at the potential game against Central Connecticut uh, this Wednesday night at eight o'clock at Gamble with no fans, and uh, I'll start it off with you, Ben. What do you What are you thinking about this Central game? Well, it's it's interesting because we're on Sunday night recording right now, and the game is on Wednesday in about seventy two hours, and it's still not even like official or announced or anything. So I, I don't know. It's a little it's a little odd how it's. Uh, so the game is just like so up in the air. I mean, I I hope they play. Obviously, um, it it would be uh, really disappointing to like get this close and then not actually get to play uh, right away. Um, I, I think most UConn fans are just excited for um, just something to root for and a team to you know follow and excited for a new basketball season. Our first season in the Big East, I, I think, is it's disappointing. Obviously, that we're not going to get the same uh, the same type of feel uh, because there won't be any fans at the games, and it's a little bit of a letdown considering there was so much excitement coming into this season. I guess we're going to have to wait another year to really enjoy that in person excitement again for Big East basketball. But I'm still excited for this team, and I'm, I'm optimistic about this about this season. I mean, everything as far as COVID and being able to keep playing and shutdowns and it'll be interesting. I know that there's going to be a lot of storylines revolving around that. Um, I guess our, our, the biggest hope is that, you know, the team stays healthy and we're able to, you know, get going on Wednesday night against central Connecticut and just try and progress and try and keep the season going and as smoothly as possible. Hopefully the team and the coaches stay stay healthy and we can uh, play as many games as we can on our way to hopefully a return to the NCAA tournament this year. Yeah, I agree with mostly what you said. Obviously it's not, I'm not as excited as a fan, I guess, because you know, we're not going to be able to experience it going to Gamble this year. Um, we're getting less, we're kind of get. it feels like we're getting less games. We're, we're kind of uncertain about the schedule and how it's all going to pan out. But at the end of the day, it's UConn basketball and we're, we're rabid fans we're, we're dying for something. I mean, I'm kind of getting, Obviously, my my Dallas Cowboys, even though they won today, they haven't been that exciting. The Red Sox were not very excited; were awful this year, so didn't get any excitement out of watching that. So it's 
I guess I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled to, to have something to watch and something to root for over the next couple of months. And, and there's just so much hype going into this UConn season. And I don't know. It's just, it, for, for once, it feels like we, we have like a really solid team going into the season, but it's kind of like, it kind of stinks that it's under these circumstances right now. I think a lot of people have had so much in their lives canceled, upended, um, just like change that we're just looking for like a sense of a sense of normalcy and a sense of what's something that we, we can, we can sit here, like rally around again. I mean, we, we didn't have a football, we didn't have a football season to root for. I mean, we, we, we've seen the, the challenges that college football and the NFL and they've run into in terms of, stoppages in play and whatnot and we know that it's already it's it's already happened once with a two-week stop for UConn for practice leading up to this game um but I, I just think that we we just have to be optimistic obviously I think every, that's just how everyone's mentality has to be right now but the fact that we do have a team that I think most of the fan base is really excited about that does make the season a little bit promising in terms of Wow, it's like an exciting time. New UConn season, fresh start. Finally, got mostly Hurley guys in there. Um, but it's just it, it remains to be seen. Like, how steady is this going to be? Are they going to play two games, three games, five games? When's the first time is a game going to get canceled? Like, I don't know. So it'll be interesting to follow on a day to day basis because things will literally be changing. I think that rapidly, but. I am looking forward to it starting. I'm looking forward to feeling like we have our team back. And when COVID started was when the the UConn season last year pretty much ended abruptly. So I'm just, I just feel like it's almost like a turning of the page. And I'm just glad that uh, we have some Husky basketball to watch again. Yeah. It's just interesting that we're sitting here on Sunday night and I mean, we assume they're playing central on Wednesday and we assume they're playing Hartford on Friday, but I mean, just hopefully we get these games in. We want, I want something, especially, especially because there's going to be like nonstop games uh, throughout the whole week, uh, this Thanksgiving week, and it would be kind of disappointing not to see UConn play. But I mean, right now the way is, the way we feel right now, I, I would say we're we're having games on Wednesday and Friday. But the uncertainty is just it kind of stinks in a way. But with Danielle saying that the game on Wednesday is going to happen, like the CCSU. Uh, play like it's been on Twitter and stuff that the game is going to be on played on Wednesday. That's on the TV guides for FS1 for eight o'clock on Wednesday. The Friday night game, the Hartford head coach John Gallagher tweeted a picture today and said that they were going to be playing UConn on Friday. Like all signs point to that these games are going to happen. Um, Hurley's probably just being a little cautious uh, with the in, the fact that both opponents are in state. There's a little bit of flexibility there, I think not as they don't have to travel they're traveling the day of that's it um she's probably just seeing how the players are responding after the two-week layoff in practice that they're not pushing them too hard but i I think it would be good for them to get these two games in before they head into uh before they head into their other out-of-conference games the three games they have scheduled right now well again rumored at mohegan sun um so that it'll be interesting to see how they respond uh, I'm, I'm just excited to see different players, like different lineups and hopefully, uh, a fully, uh, 
healthy slate of uh, slate of guys. So, uh, so since we're looking at the schedule, I guess we'll go over what we what we have so far for the UConn men's basketball schedule. So we have obviously we have Central and Hartford this week. Then on December first, we have Vanderbilt at Mohegan. That's part of the Legends Classic that was supposed to be played in Brooklyn. And then we'll get either us. Uh, USC or BYU on December 3rd, depending on if we win or lose. And then we have NC State on December 5th, also at Mohegan Sun. But yet, if you go on UConn's website, it's it's not confirmed, but uh, other places this is listed. So that should be that should be good. And then obviously we have the Big East games as well. Yeah, the first five Big East games are pretty exciting. It's, they, they open on the 11th with St. John's. Um, which is kind of funny because the first game at Gamble against St. John's, so it almost feels like that was planned ahead of time. Like, wow, that would have been a great um, electric atmosphere, but unfortunately there will be no fans, um, much like most of the Big East, you know? Yeah, um, you, but you, and you had to think that they probably had a huge celebration planned for that game. I, I find it hard to believe that they would just have a regular game, which is kind of disappointing. So hopefully, maybe hopefully next year, though, whatever they were planning on doing for that game, they do. Yeah, that would be awesome. Um, then they go to play Georgetown on the 13th uh, on, on the road. Providence on the road on the 17th. Creighton at home on the uh, on December 20th. And then the 23rd before they head, uh, head home for Christmas, they got uh, DePaul on the road in Chicago. So good. I think a good little test first five games of the conference play. But I, I'm looking forward to one step at a time. First these two games this week and then the three games – um, that so far have been rumored at Mohegan Sun, um, and then after that, we'll we'll see what happens. We'll we'll see uh, we'll see where that takes us. But I'm just going to enjoy the ride this year and take it one game at a time because we can't look too far ahead without knowing things might change, and we just have to be ready for that. Well, I'm going to ask you a little bit. I mean, look a little bit in into the future a little bit. Out of all these games, what do you think? What do you think is the most exciting on this schedule? I guess maybe we'll start with the non-conference and then go into the Big East. Well, o- opening night is always exciting, but I, I just, I mean, Central's obviously not, they were they were pretty horrible last year. I believe they only won like two or three games. Um, but so I, I guess I'll say that uh, the Vanderbilt game, just because it's the first like real power five test that we'll have. Uh, and I, I think it'll be fun to see the guys respond. It'll be the first game at, the Mohegan Sun in that tournament uh, type setting, but the matchup with NC State is really is really intriguing too because that's a pretty good team from the ACC that um, I think it will also be a pretty good test for us. It's hard to choose. I guess if I had to choose one, I would say I would say Vanderbilt, but th- there's a lot of good options. Yeah, I think I be personally, I think I go with NC State. I always like playing ACC teams because there's always it, with the conference being so strong uh, almost every year. There's always like uh, a chance that that win down the road could help push you into the NCAA tournament. You know, one thing that I've thought about a little bit um, in terms of like what Hurley's going to be like struggled with early, and, and it's something that we've talked about before um, off the podcast. There is a lot more depth and talent in in this year than in, in previous seasons, and and I don't mean that in like a in like a way where to say that these other teams were like, we didn't like every year you're going to say you have a little bit more depth, but it's true in, in the sense that one through 13, I feel comfortable with pretty much being on the floor. Javante Brown and uh, Richie Springs, both being freshmen, they'll probably be 
um, guys more towards the end. But 1 through 11, I feel really confident in in terms of being able to give us uh, competitive minutes every night. Starting lineup, though, I think that that's going to be a really difficult um, thing for Hurley, and I think will be something that's probably a little fluid early on in the season, kind of riding the hot hand with certain guys. Because a lot of guys, there, there could be a lot of different combinations of starters, um, and not just starters, but game finishers and just different lineups that he can use throughout the game, whether he wants to go big, go small, three guards, four guards, uh, more traditional lineup. I, I think he's got a lot of options, which is nice. Yeah, I mean, we, we were talking about this before we started recording, but I, I can't think of a UConn team in the last 10 years that's had this kind of depth before. I mean, it feels like, like you said, every it, it, from from the, the top to the bottom. I mean, this this seems like a very complete team. They have a lot of they have a lot of different options, and and the depth is huge because over the last couple of years, obviously, we've had so many issues with injuries and and just suspend. We've had a couple of suspensions that have happened. I mean, it's this the schedule is kind of flexible where we could, or, or if we you know God forbid lose somebody. I mean, I feel like we have someone that could take take a player's spot. So that's huge for me, but. The starting lineup is going to be very interesting to see how he handles it because I, I feel like a lot of these guys think that they could be in the starting lineup and belong in the starting lineup. And especially at the point guard spot, it's kind of controversial because I would figure a lot of people are going to have Cole in the starting point guard spot. And it's kind of like it's kind of like a slap in the face to Gaffney because although maybe he didn't have the greatest year overall, he he's actually you know he played and, and we kind of know what we we got from him for with Cole I mean he's been he's taken a year off and he, he only played at Howard I mean that's not to take a shot at, at at Howard or anything but the Big East is a whole it's a whole different you know league compared to where where Howard is so I don't know that to me that's going to be a lot of controversy I, I I would assume he goes Cole to start um, so what do you think Ben. I'm going to say that my lineup prediction for the opening night against CCSU is not definitely not the lineup that I think will be the best lineup by the end of the season. So, but I, I do think opening night, just because of based on how he did it two years ago to last year, he gives the nod a lot to uh, guys who have been there and experienced guys early. I, I'm going to say Gaffney gets the nod at the point guard role just because he he pretty much spent two-thirds of the year last year as a starting point guard. I have a hard time believing that all of a sudden now he's just going to be a backup. I, I just don't think that that's going to happen. Um, so I'm going to say him. I'm going to say book night again. I mean, that's a no-brainer. I'm going to say Tyler Polly as a senior, and then I'm going to go with the other two seniors as well. Um, Isaiah Whaley and uh, Josh Carlton, both of them. Whaley and Carlton started at the four and the five uh, for the remainder of last year after a cook went down. Uh, so I, I think that considering a cook won't be back for opening night, I, I think that those five is what we'll see on opening night. Yeah, I'm pretty much on the same page with you. I, I have Cole in at the point guard because I just I feel like that's where we're going. That's where we're heading just based on some of the reports. Um, so I'll go Cole at the point guard and at center, this is tough. I had written down Sonogo, but now looking at it, I don't know if you could start Whaley and Sonogo at the same time. So I guess, I guess I'll go, I'll, I'll stick, I'll go with you and I'll go Josh Carlton at the center, but a guy I'd like to see what he has is, uh, Javante Brown. Cause it's been, it, you know, since Brian left, we haven't had any seven footers. So 
it, I would love to see what he could do early on. I, I, I mean, I'm not expecting the world from him, but seven feet, like you can't teach seven feet. So you'd have to think that he'd be a nice rim protector. And it's just something, I don't know, this is the type of center that UConn really hasn't had since Amita Brima left. The early reports on Brown coming out like this in this camp this fall was that he was pretty raw and probably a guy that was possibly a redshirt candidate. Obviously, at this point, everyone's getting a – this year won't count towards anyone's eligibility, so there's really no point in doing that. Um, but I think Javante is definitely a guy that he, – he, he's, he's an interesting prospect, but I would be surprised, I think, to see him play a lot this year, especially once a cook comes back into the fold. I mean – Carlton, Sonogo, Cook, Whaley, like there's a lot of even Polly plays the four a little bit. We got Richie Springs, we haven't even mentioned. There's gonna be a lot of guys competing for minutes at only really two spots. So I, I think Brown probably doesn't we doesn't see the floor as much this year, but I, I definitely think he is a promising future um for the Huskies. Yeah. What about what about six man? You think you think Tyrese Martin's going to be that six man that comes off the bench and, and and gives him a scoring option, or is it going to be, or is it going to be Cole? Like you you think you think Gaff, Gaffney's going to start? So would Cole be that kind of guy? Obviously, early in the season, think they're going to be playing a lot of guys, trying to figure out who's ready, who who's going to step up to the challenge. Um, I mean, they're going to have the luxury of doing that, especially in the first couple games against CCSU and Hartford, but. I I, I I really like Tyrese Martin. I'm a big Tyrese Martin guy. I think he's definitely got a chance by the end of the season to be in the starting lineup. But I, I think R.J. Cole is a scoring point guard. So I think I'm going to say that coming off the bench in like a six-man role, being a kind of a team leader, I, I could see him definitely being uh, suiting really well in that role. Yeah, and a guy we've also forgot about is Brendan Adams too. Like Brendan Adams could be a candidate to come off the bench and give them uh, some offense. He, you know, he, he didn't have the greatest season last year. Obviously, it started off. I, I think if I, if I recall correctly, it started off very well for Brendan, and he kind of like I think we were talking about it. He kind of fell out of the rotation a little bit. Kind of, kind of got forgotten about. But I wouldn't sleep on him because I don't know. He gives that tough guard kind of play, and I think he's you know he's been streaky from three from what we've seen, but. If he could ever get a consistent three-point shot to go, I, I think he could be that guy that comes off the bench and just gives them great minutes. You know, I think everyone like we we keep talking about Tyrese Martin and Gaffney and uh, Cole and all these other guards. I I think I think Brendan Adams could be that kind kind of guy that just comes out of nowhere and people aren't really expecting it. To me, Andre Jackson is one of the big like wild card. I guess you could say type players because he has been touted so highly, especially by a lot of the writers coming out of high school. And I, I just, he fits in it. There's a lot of guys in front of him in terms of like book Knight and Martin and Polly, like on the wing. But I, I think he could have a pretty big impact. And I know the hope is that he has a big impact with his athleticism as a freshman, hopefully in the similar way that book Knight did where his role expands as the season goes along and he's kind of peaking as the season starts. But to start the year, it'll be interesting to see how much run he gets. Again, there are so many guys that are competing for minutes at the wing. So many. I mean, Gaffney could be playing a little bit at the wing if, if they're playing Cole at the same time. Booknight, Martin, Brendan Adams, Polly. There's just a lot of guys fighting for minutes, which it breeds competition. So that's good. 
but I, I am excited to see what Andre Jackson can do, and hopefully he can live up to the expectations that followed him to stores. Oh, I'm I'm excited for Andre Jackson. I think every UConn fan is excited. I mean, you know, a couple of weeks ago we had John Rothstein saying he's a, he's an NBA uh, small forward. He's got that co- you know he's that kind of that kind of player. So I think there's a lot of hype going into him, and I hope I hope that doesn't get to him, especially if he has like a slow start. And, and you know, over the past couple of years, you know, fans get on players on social media. So I hope. I mean, I, I think I think he's going to be uh, a solid player coming off the off the start, but. He might not be that kind of guy like Book Knight. I mean, Book Knight came out when he when he started in that Charleston tournament. I mean, he he gave them the boost that they were looking for at that time. And you know, it's kind of a it's kind of a shame that he had that incident happen early last year because maybe maybe they wouldn't have lost that game to St. Joe's if they had uh, Book Knight's offense. So that's another thing. But you know, an, another guy we're kind of forgetting about we haven't even really talked about is a Cook. I mean, where where does a Cook fit in with all this? Obviously, he's coming off the uh, the injury, but Apparently, all signs point to him being available sometime at the start of Big East play, whether that be mid-December or, the, or after the first of the year. So, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how how they slide him back into the lineup because he was a starter last year too, and and he gave them great, great minutes. Obviously, he struggled right before he he had the unfortunate injury against Memphis, but he he's a guy that is just a difference maker out there. He's blocking shots. He's uh, he's got a little touch. He's got a nice touch from three. I don't know. It's it's this is just going to be very very interesting how, how they how they make this lineup work and how they rotate guys in and out. It's going to it's something that I just I can't remember a team having so many weapons or at least recent recently with UConn. A cook will probably be brought back slowly. I, I know Hurley's mentioned that that'll probably be the case anyway when he comes back. Um, but you, you're right. I mean, he's a great stretch four guy, and he's somebody that fit so well with Hurley's offense last year, being able to play the horn set at the top of the key and be able to pass and step out and shoot the three block shots, protect the rim. And he's a guy that he fits Hurley's style. So, you know, he's going to find his way back into the lineup. Just again, like throwing another guy right into the fire with so many competing for minutes, but a cook will be fine. I'm not worried about him. He will find his way. He's a very talented player. Um, but it, it, you're, you are correct in that. It, it'll be interesting to see how Hurley does that. All right. So looking ahead now, we're looking at, we're talking about the players. Let's start doing some predictions, obviously. So let's look at the leaders. Let's say, who do you think averages the most points per game? I, I think Book Knight's the obvious answer. Um, but I, I also think RJ Cole might have a chance depending on how big his role is, um, especially right away. See, I'll, I think Book Knight's too easy of an answer, and it, it probably will end up that way, but just to be different, I'm going to go R.J. Cole because I still have R.J. Cole in my starting lineup. So I think, I think he's going to be a very, he's going to be very good offensively for them. I think he's going to give them that, like uh, that offense that they've, they've kind of been lacking a little bit. I know they've had Jalen Adams and they had Christian Vital where they, they could score a little bit. But I think I personally think from just watching RJ Cole, I think he's got a better jump shot. And I think offensively he's going to work more into the sets and, and the way that Hurley's going to run the offense. So I, I got, I think, I, I think Cole is going to be the leading uh, scorer for this year. Who do you think leads the team in uh, assists and rebounds? Well, I do have Cole starting at this point guard, but, 
I guess I'll give the assist per games to to Gaffney. I think he's really good at uh, dishing the ball. Him and Book Knight seem to have some kind of chemistry. There's a lot of a lot of oops being thrown there, and he's he's made a lot of nice passes in in his first year at UConn. So I'll go Gaffney leading assists, and then for rebounds, this is tough because there's just so many options in the front court. I guess. Uh, I guess I'll go with Whaley. I think I think Whaley. I think Whaley's going to show up this year. I think he's got a chip on his shoulder. I think I think the way he ended last season was great, and all the UConn fans are fired up. So I'll go Whaley as the leading rebounder for this UConn team. Simply because I just think he's going to play a lot early in the season, and I think that his experience will help him. And he's played a few years now, and I think he's going to get the benefit of the doubt a lot with minutes. I'm going to say Josh Carlton will probably lead lead in rebounds. Assists are definitely harder for me because I think RJ Cole and Gaffney are going to really they're going to split a lot of time um, at the point guard. I guess I'm going to I'm going to have to go with Jalen Gaffney. I, I, he's my he's my starter prediction, so I guess I have to go with him for assists. Yeah, I think I. I think he's the easy choice there, and I, I I like to change it up a little bit just to just to be interesting. But to me, it just seems like he just has he just has it. He's going to be the guy that's going to be passing the ball around, and I think Cole's going to be more of a scorer for them as at the point guard spot. So, all right. So, who do you think has more three point field goals this season, Tyler Polly or Tyrese Martin? I am a huge Tyrese Martin guy. When you put that on record right now, I loved his game at. <laughs> at roadie and when he decided to transfer from uri selfishly immediately i really really wanted him i know there were a lot of uconn fans who were skeptical but because you you know when he was coming out of high school a little under recruited whatever but this guy's got game he's athletic he can stroke the three he can take it off the dribble Uh, he's a really talented player and i think in a little bit more of an expanded role in Rhode Island, he probably would have been their leading scorer, but the ball was in Fats Russell's hands a lot. Um, so I'm going to say I'm going to say Martin, even though Polly, I think it is going to have a great year. I, I think Martin. Yeah, see, I got to go. I got to go, Polly. I think I think Polly is their best three point shooter on this team by far. I mean, Martin Martin's solid, but. I I just got a feeling that Polly is just going to be the guy. Like if 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 you're down three in a game. And you have a chance to tie it. I, I you have to give the ball to Polly. So I, I think, I think he ends up having more three point field goals. But I, I bet you Martin makes it close. And, and even some of these other guys on the team, like a, a Book Knight or a Cole, I, I, they'll put up uh, decent numbers from three. I, I don't think he'll come close. But I, I think for once, for, for once, for the first time, and maybe I don't know, like six years, I think they have decent three point shooting. I think that's something they've really lacked over the last couple of years. So. I'll go. I'll go. Polly on this one. All right, team MVP and surprise or unsung hero. Choose, give me one of each. So the MVP's got it. I think everyone's going to pick Book Knight. So I, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll stick with them. I'll, I'll go. Book Knight's going to be the MVP. I think he's going to be the best overall player, and obviously he's going to be the most valuable player. I, I, if if he goes down, if if God forbid something were to happen to James Book Knight, I think this team would be, would suffer dearly from it. I, I, I think he's the guy. I, I think this is the guy we've been waiting for, for, for a couple of years now. This is, we finally have a, a signature player where you say like, 
or you know, you you hear college basketball writers talking about they're like James Booknight. That's a guy you got to look out for, and obviously he's a Naismith uh, Player of the Year candidate. I, I think I think Booknight's going to be the MVP for this team, and I think the unsung hero is going to be Tyler Polly. I think, I, like I said, his three point shooting is something that is so so needed for UConn. They have guys that can shoot the three, and I I, I was just saying they have a, a, a number of guys that can shoot the three, but. Polly is definitely the best three-point shooter. And I think in this day in college basketball, you have to have that go-to guy from three if you want to beat the best teams. I I mean, over the past couple of years, it seems to me that the reason why we haven't won some of these close, close games is that they just don't have a guy. They don't have consistent three-point shooting. And teams like Villanova, I've, I've, that's how they've won all these uh, all these years. I mean, that's that's basically. I mean, think about it. They won the national championship on a game-winning three. They, they they circle their whole offense revolves around the three-point shot. So I'm going to go Polly with the unsung hero MVP book night. Not even close. If we're going to be as good as we want to be. Um, this year, obviously, he's going to have to play at an All-American level and All-Conference level. So he's my MVP. That's an easy one. Ung Sung Hero, I'm going to go with a different one. And here's my rationale. In the spring, when we talked about what did we really need, what did we really need for this team if we wanted to be an NCAA tournament team, a, a team that could compete in the first weekend? We needed a big man. We needed a big man. So Adama Sinogo, his commitment... That sparked that 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 changed things in terms of my mind, in terms of my faith in this team and the direction that they're headed. He his addition, his toughness, his rebounding ability. I don't think that he's gonna be a starting player early in the season, but I think he's a guy who could push Carlton by the end of the year um, for a starting role. And I think that he's a guy that we're definitely going to need his rebounding, his toughness and his rim protection um, if we're going to be able to reach the levels that we think this UConn team can. All right. I can, I can respect that. I, you know, Sonogo is a very interesting prospect. Obviously we beat Seton Hall out for, which, which was great. And it was kind of a surprise at the early summer, that time frame. but I can see that. Now we're talking about Sonogo. You, you think, obviously you think he's going to get into the starting lineup at some point. Do you see him and Whaley playing at the same time? Because I was, I had them initially in my in my lineup. Like I said, do you think those two guys can actually fit out there? I mean, they're very similar in size. Obviously, a different style of play. Obviously, Sonogo's a bigger dude, but I feel like maybe you, you kind of have two of the same guys at the same height. Maybe that doesn't you know mix as well. I know Whaley played a lot of the four last year after a Cook went down, but I think as the season as the season goes along, I, I kind of see this carved out. As like a cook is obviously a stretch four, and Whaley can be a stretch four, right? Carlton is a center. He's a center by trade. He's going to be a center. Sonogo, I think, I, I I think can be a little bit of both in terms of playing the four and the five. So I'm going to say, yeah, I think he can play with Whaley. While I think it would be a little weird because there wouldn't be like that true center on the court because Sonogo is a six nine. He's just a different kind of player. I think that him and a cook will play well together. I think he could slide in at the four if we needed to go big with Carlton. But yeah, I think he could play with Whaley. All right, all right. I got a, I got one. I'm just thinking of the time. How many times do you think Hurley gets teed up during the season? Ooh, how many games we planned? That's that's a good question. I guess I guess you get to say what twenty. Let's say twenty seven. 
Yeah, I think what well, is that was that what the uh, limit is or the yeah. Uh, so not not including the tournaments, uh, it's twenty seven. Who knows if we end up playing that many? But let, mm-hmm. let's say let's say twenty five to be on the safe side. Twenty five regular season games. Yeah, in twenty five regular season games. See, there's going to be no fans, so there's going to be a lot. Like the refs That's- are going to hear him a lot more than they normally do. <laughs> I think early he gets a few. And I think he learns he has to tone it down a little bit because of the fact there's no fans. I, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say in 25 games I'm gonna say 10 techs. Yeah, see, I think the fans plays in a different role. I think me personally, and I love it anyways, but I think Hurley kind of plays up to the crowd a little bit, and I think he he gets teed up every once in a while to get everybody going. He gets the players going, obviously, and. And I think he kind of plays up to the crowd with the whole shenanigans and yelling and stuff like that. So I think with no fans or just just having family, friends at Gamble, I bet you it's less than 10. I bet you only gets teed up like like six or seven times this season. I think I think I don't think it's as much as we we're, we're normally used to with him, but I definitely think he's going to have to get a couple texts in there. I mean, it's just in his blood. I mean, that's just the Hurley way, I think. He's got that they got that uh that feist about him and that's what the fans love. All right, Ben, I think that's a good place to wrap it up right now. Obviously, it's kind of tough to preview the season as we've been talking about. This is we're not getting as much information as we usually do. And I don't know. We we really don't even know if they're playing this week. I, I would assume, again, I would assume they play this week, but you never know what happens. But uh we want to thank all the UConn fans listening. We hope you're staying safe out there. You're having a you're gonna have a great holiday this week, and we'll catch you in the next episode. Go Huskies. Yeah.